because I do think as relationships unfold, they can get better. They can get deeper. They can really get so much, just so much more full. And, you know, there's nothing like going through the parenting ride to, to bond you. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Today is a real talk with me, McLean. And I like to talk about things when they're happening. I feel like so many of us or our society likes to talk about the hard things when we are over them, when we can look back in hindsight and have already gone through the process and the healing of it and have everything wrapped up in a little bit of a bow and a positive spin on things. But I think it's really important to know how people feel when they're going actually through the thing and makes it much more relatable for each other when we are all going through things in real time. So today I wanted to discuss that. I also have had DMs on this topic and similar questions regarding this topic. So I thought I would just dive in. So today is the day before I leave my kids for the longest time that I have ever left them. I'm leaving for eight days. I'm leaving the country. I'm going to Costa Rica with my husband. And we plan this trip in the fall and I... It is now almost April and, you know, it seems so far off and then now we're here and it's a really big deal. It's a very big deal to go to another country, get on a five-hour flight and leave my kids, uh, especially the baby and, but, you know, Jemima too, because it's so hard to switch off that, that mother gene of micromanaging And being the producer of our family and our life, like making all of the things happen. And I'm really so conscious of that right now because I'm making lists for everything. These are the creams she needs. These are the vitamins. This is the regime. This is the menu for the week. These are all the emergency numbers. These are all the friend numbers for playdates. I mean, there's a lot that goes into leaving my life for a week on top of you know, just the sadness of not being with them and on top of work. And it's just a very full, busy time. And I honestly haven't even thought about the trip. I need to start packing and leave tomorrow morning and also get excited about this journey that we're going on because I don't want to have put all the time, effort and money into this trip and then not be really present with my husband because that's the whole intention behind this. So I'm just being cognizant of all of these feelings as usual. Motherhood is full of all the paradoxes and I'm really feeling them all right now. And the thing that's been making me feel better is 
each day this week, just ticking off specific little things that I can get done in that day that make me feel organized. You know, I've gone to the store a couple times, making sure that my fridge is stocked, the pantry, that everything is laid out. There's a plan for most days. And also talking to my girlfriends that are calming and really supportive and not questioning it and not holding the fear up to the light even more than what's already in my body. And, you know, taking counsel from women that I know will boost me up and listen to my resignations or, you know, that devil's advocate, but really hear it and then are able to process and see the positivity with me. And I'm just so grateful that I have friends that way that can really hold me to my intention of how beautiful this is going to be for my husband and I, because we have not done this since I was pregnant with Jemima eight years ago. So this really is a gift to ourself. We have been together for, uh, well, we've been married almost 10 years now. We've been together 11 years. And I think it's so important to consciously upgrade our relationships as we grow as the years pass, and especially as you have another kid. And I feel like this year, there's been a lot of that of, like you can kind of get away with certain things. You know, we were a trio for almost six years and we tag team a lot. My husband and I are both lone wolves, I would say. We both need a lot of alone time. And, you know, we don't get our normal amounts of alone time that we got pre-married, you know, parent life. So on the weekends, we we do tag team a bit and also try to find the balance of cohesive family time as well, because our kids really love that when we're all together. So it's just, you know, I feel like it's always finding that balance. In most relationships, I feel like have that as well. But we are both that way. And so it does take some mindful communication that we both feel like we've had time to reset and refill our cups. And maybe if you're with an extrovert and you're an introvert or you're both extroverts, it's really not as big a deal, but uh, that is a common thing for us. And we just really felt coming up on our 10 year wedding anniversary that we want to take this time. We're actually doing, we will be doing a lot of relationship work on our trip. And so there'll be active work going on and then hopefully a lot of rest and playtime as well. And I just want to chill on the beach and be with my dreams and my journal and actually read a book and read a magazine and just allow myself to let go. And I also really want to speak to that because so much of this work is our inner work. It is making a decision in the moment that we are going to allow ourselves to refill and receive We do so much giving as mothers and it's a deep, 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 deep habit. And I also feel like it can become an addiction to be so connected to that anxiety and, you know, always micromanaging everyone else that are with their kids, looking at our phone constantly, making sure our kids are okay. Like, did anyone text me? Like all of that, I would say falls under quote unquote, normal mom behavior. But I also think we're like making ourselves crazy because we feel like if we're not actively managing everyone, 
that it's all going to like go down the drain. It's all going to fall apart. And that is false. That's a lie. And it's putting so much pressure on ourselves. And, you know, we aren't meant to do this all alone. This is why the villages existed. We would help parent each other's kids, you know, multi-generational parenting, the grandmothers, the grandfathers, the great-grandmothers, great-grandfathers, all helping to parent a child. And now we have so much pressure on ourselves to do everything. And it's not normal and it's not right. And, you know, it takes a lot of trust and faith to allow other people to be in charge of your kids. And I'm having a lot of big feelings come up around it. My mom is coming to stay for a week and our beloved nanny will be here the whole time which is incredible and, you know, such a luxury. I mean, my God, we're so lucky that we have her in our life and that she will be here keeping things running smoothly. But I still want that, I want that like written, certified, notarized letter from spirit or God or the angels saying, no harm will come to your children while you're away this week. And That's not going to happen. That's not reality. And so it's allowing these fears to be there and trust that it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. They're going to be okay. They're going to be so loved. They're going to be so well taken care of. They're going to have lots of treats. And my, you know, the grandma love is real. And I know that they're going to be fine. It's me working with my anxiety and my need to control. And that codependence, you know, which I do have. And I'm not that bad. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are way more controlling than I am. So, you know, it's a continuum. Uh, I have friends that are a lot less controlling. You know, there's a lot more chaos. So it's like we all fall on a continuum and there's no right or wrong. Like everyone lives their life so differently. And we all have different pathology and our kids are very different. You know, we kind of think, Oh, it's all, it all lies on the parents and the plan or the lack of plan. But, you know, kids come out their way too. And what resonates with them and the way that they need to live in their system. And I think we really lose sight of that. And um, so, you know, I'll be trusting Jemima a lot on this trip to do the things she knows that she needs to do, doing her homework, wearing her, her new retainer. You know, she's learned how to wash her retainer and take care of it and trusting that she will be doing all of that and filling in the gaps where they need to be filled in and helping out with her little sister. And it's, you know, it's a big deal. The reason that we are going away, like I said, was to carve out this time, but to really acknowledge and respect this line of thinking that as the parents, as the mother and father, that's how it's represented in our relationship, male and female, that we actually are the top of the pyramid. We are the parents and the kids are below us. And that is hard. Sometimes I have days where that's like really hard for me to accept. But ultimately, I do believe that that's really the healthy way to be and the healthy way to go. And you'll see as your kids get older, they can manipulate when there are cracks in that bond. And they will, you know, not in like a horrible, like mean way, but they will just learn how to work the system. And if there are major cracks between you and your partner, they will wriggle in there and and learn how to adapt and get what they want from the different partner. And that's been something with two kids that we really had to work on 
is running our family more as a system, like a tight ship, if you you know need that metaphor. The bedtime has to be way more regulated. The getting up time is way more regulated, especially as our older daughter's in normal school. She has to be there by 8 a.m. You know, we live in this system and I have lots of feelings about that as well. Like, I don't feel like that's all normal. I don't think it should be starting school that early, but I don't really want to homeschool. And so that's what we're working with. And things have to get done at a certain time. And my husband gets home at usually seven when bedtime's already in full effect. And, you know, there are just many variables to all of this. And when we have gone through pat, you know, patches of dis-ease or discomfort in our relationship, and really now what I see was a death of the old, a death of the old way of being and of doing and being in this marriage. And we have sought outside help, which has been amazing. And the person that we most recently sought help with or from really uh, believes in that partnership as the top of the pyramid. And we have worked to get better on that, to be a team, to be on board with one another. And then it trickles down. And I do have to say, I find it really, really works. And it makes me feel so much less isolated. Like I'm the mom, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing everything it feels like. And then he'll come in and be the fun dad and like it all goes to shit and then it's bedtime and then I'm nagging and I'm unhappy and everyone else is unhappy. And, you know, it's such a common, common theme with all of my mom friends. And we feel that, you know, to greater or lesser degrees, but the work is not even between mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad. Like it's just not even usually. I don't know any relationship that's totally even in their parenting, but you know, it's just part of it. And especially as a woman with the breastfeeding and we're just so in tune with our babies in a different way. And it's not necessarily good or bad. It's just is what it is. It is nature. It is how we are. But in this society, when we're trying to then get back to work and have our own lives and have our self-care time and we don't have the village helping us, it is so unhealthy and it makes us resentful and it makes us rage and it makes us not fun moms to be around. And it doesn't feel good in your heart either. It's like, why would you have kids if you know that like you're just going to become this woman that you don't really like or you're not really proud of? And it's, it's sad, you know? I mean, I feel like when I've had moments of just feeling so exhausted to the bone, like beyond the bones, an exhaustion that I didn't even know existed and frustrated with not being where I want to be in my career due to all of that exhaustion, you know, and comparing myself to others. Like it doesn't feel good. It's like, what am I doing with my life? Why did I do this? What the fuck? Like, this is not what I saw my life looking like at this time. And then it, it's fleeting, you know, and then I move on and I come back and especially when I get more rest, but I guess I just want to say every relationship has a journey. And a long, long time ago, someone said to me, you will have good years and you will have bad years. And that made me want to die. That was before I was married. I was like, that is the worst thing. I'm going to have bad years, like years. No, thanks. And I think not necessarily 
I don't feel like I've had bad years, but I feel like I've had hard years. And I think when you have young children, it is so much work. It just is. And it's a lot of work to move through all of these things with your partner. And, you know, I, it's hard to believe that I've been with David now for 11 years, like a decade. We've been married almost a decade. That blows my mind. That completely blows my mind. And life happens and it moves quickly. And there are moments in time where we need to up level. We need to get really honest with ourselves. And I think within what I was just saying of there are difficult times or difficult years, there's a lot of room in that to be confused about what that means because there's no, you know, quote unquote, normal relationship. And I often seek that. I'm just like, I just want to know the way that I'm feeling right now. Is this normal? Or like, what is this? Like where on the continuum of normal relationship does this fall? And the thing is, there is no normal. There's no like one relationship to judge yourself against. And sometimes that's so freeing and sometimes it's so frustrating because you're like, I literally don't know up from bottom right now. I feel like I'm just swimming in the cosmos and I just want to know what's like right or wrong or like what I should do. And it's just an unfolding. And I think with more personal inquiry and relationship inquiry and having a partner that it will at the very least look at these things with you. I mean, I know that's really hard when you have a partner that is so shut down that they literally won't look at themselves or look at you guys as a relationship. But I do think that living by being a model. And so if you clean up your side of the street, that often will induce them to do as well. And then you guys can really find your common ground and coming together as a partnership. But I found with myself when I just blame the other, I don't get anything close to what I want and I don't feel deeper in partnership. So when I really can say, look, these are my habits. I know this is fucked up or this is from my childhood or this is the modeling I saw, but I want to change it. I'm willing to be open to looking at myself. You know, that's when I really get um, the commitment from him to move forward with me as well. And it's different for everybody. And I just encourage really every relationship, new or old, to be having these conversations and not just get stuck in what was or what is or how you were when you got together. Because I do think as relationships unfold, they can get better. They can get deeper. They can really get so much, just so much more full and you know, there's nothing like going through the parenting ride to to bond you. It really is so big and massive and life-changing. And it's so beautiful when you guys can be on the same page and do it together. And I will discuss what happens when I'm away. And I hope and pray that I will be reporting that my kids were happy and healthy and safe and nothing went wrong and they didn't even get a scratch on them. I hope I'm saying all of these things on the other side. And I'll be doing lots of praying and protection mantras and meditation. And also allowing myself to refill because I've done a lot of work. I've been a mom for, well, since I was pregnant with Jemima, eight years. And uh, that's a lot of time to 
devote to other beings. And I'm really looking forward to coming back to myself and feeling into myself and where I am authentically right now on my journey. And it's a gift and I'm grateful for it. And one of the um, questions that had come from a mom, which ties into this, is she asked, how do we be the loving parent that we are and not micromanage and not um, push others away in our lives? Because I do feel like, you know, that's a really big question and that's something I work on with my postpartum clients a lot as well is finding that balance. And a lot of times there isn't a clear balance and it, it goes through phases. But when you are a really, really anxious mother, it is hard for anyone else to step in to help you because of the way that you're acting. I mean, to be frank and, and I know this because I've been there and I constantly battle this within my own mind. Like, when do I say something? When do I not say something? When do I let life flow? And sometimes I don't trust my instinct and something happens that I'm not happy with at all. And sometimes I just catch myself before correcting others and miracles happen. So I don't have the answer, people. I just know that the more conscious I am, And the more I trust life and God or spirit or that which is bigger than me, the more that life can flow and miracles do happen all the time. But it is a really big question because we are doing so much, especially that first year and two, we're doing so much for our babies, so much of our kids for breastfeeding. I mean, we are the sole provider of nourishment, which is massive. We've carried the baby for almost a year. We've grown the baby. We've had the baby for most of us, that's our biggest life-changing moment. And and then this huge transition into motherhood and the, the hormones, the fluctuation, lack of sleep, also depending on our postpartum care, what that looked like, you know, we're set up for anxiety. And some of that is just natural. And some of that is just having our antenna up and that multitasking brain that mothers are, that's just part of becoming a mother. And but there are healthy kind of realms of that. And then there are unhealthy realms of that. And it's hard. It's a struggle. I mean, I don't have it mastered. I do know my daughter's, my baby's a year and a half now. And I was starting to feel really run down with wanting to do this podcast and wanting to work more and kind of step into my work more now that she's gotten older. and not having nanny help 12 hours a day, seven days a week, which by the way would be amazing. But, um, you know, I've had to rely on my husband more and trust him and trust him that even that if he's not doing things that the way that I do them, that he is their father and they need that time to bond. And he's had that bond with Jemima for years and years and years. And I used to work Saturdays, so he would have her all day Saturday and it was such a beautiful part of their relationship that has stayed all of these years. And there's, you know, she's such a daddy's girl. She's a mama's girl too, but they have such a tight, tight bond. And, and I want him to have that with Goldie Wolf too. And so I need to allow for that. I need to trust that it's okay if she goes to school 
or gym class in her pajamas. It's okay if her diaper isn't changed as swiftly as I would change it. It's okay if her shoes are on the other side. As long as she is safe, then that's really the bottom line, you know? And and he's such a good dad and he does so many, you know, wonderful things. And I just have to trust that. And it's hard. It's a practice. It's a total practice of detachment. And, you know, as moms, it's hard too because you know, we, we do things better. It's intuitive, especially when they're little babies. It's like we, we are learning as we go, but sometimes it's just so much easier to do the thing instead of trying to teach them and tell them how to do it in the moment because we're so fucking tired. It's like the last thing you want to do is be giving like a diaper lesson. So it's like, you're just like, fuck it. I'll just diaper them. So I really do talk with my clients about this though, of always finding the pros, like work with what you have where is your partner awesome? Like what are they doing that's so awesome that they can bring to you? Even postpartum, if it's every time you're breastfeeding, having a glass of water next to you or a snack or taking the trash out so you don't have to worry about it. You know, like all those little things that actually are big things in your mind, especially that vata postpartum anxious mind, like whatever those can be, help your partner empower themselves by taking them on. And then it's a practice for you and to allow for that as well and to receive that help. And, you know, I say like, if you can just let them, let your husband or your partner diaper the baby, even if it's not perfect, but the more they do it, the more it's going to be easy for them. You know, a lot of times, like my husband had not ever been around babies really before we had one. He didn't know about diapering. You know, he didn't know about feeding and breastfeeding and all of that stuff. And the only way he's truly going to learn is by doing it himself. And having the diaper fall off because he didn't put it on correctly. And then he learns, you know, I mean, that's just such a like trite example, but you know, we want our partners to be involved in our kids. And what I've seen with some of my mom friends and some of my clients is when you micromanage all of the things a year down the line, two years down the line, you have a partner that's a bit disassociated from it, feeling left out, feeling like they're less than. And then you have you, the primary caretaker, that's resentful and pissed that you're not having better help. And, you know, questioning why you're even with this partner because they're not helping you and they're not filling in where they need to be. And it just, it becomes this vicious cycle. So again, I think it's a daily practice. I think it's like a meditation of where can I ask for help when I need it? Where can I let the village aspect into our lives a little bit more? And even if you don't have a babysitter or a nanny or a grandmom that helps, like how do you set that up with your friends? Maybe you could do a babysitting swap or a nanny share once a week, or find a play group. You know, there are ways to make it work in your own lifestyle. And um, it just allows for more freedom. And I wish, you know, we all were living on a commune and having this village because I think also kids learn so well from other people. I mean, I learn really well from other people. I don't want to learn from the same teacher for my entire life. Like that is so boring and myopic. And I think we learn so much more from other kids as well. 
not just my kids, because the way I'm going to parent my kid is based on my kid. And so having to kind of parent another kid, I'm going to learn so many other things as well. So, you know, I hope that we can create some of that for our friends and ourselves and, and just trust yourself and know there is no right answer. It is trial and error. It is living this life. The path of parenthood and motherhood is spiritual work. I mean, it is the realest of the real. Being a parent, to me, I just, I can't even think of anything that is bigger than that. And if we can look at it as that, of having a trust and a faith in the process, it's the unfolding of our children as they grow and learning from them. And it's a trusting of our unfailing of our better selves and our truer selves and healing our past wounds. I mean, there's such, um, there's so much evidence and science behind how we can really heal our own inner child, our childhood traumas via the journey we go on with our kids. And, you know, it's not uncommon for trauma to come up and out of you when your kid reaches that age. So for example, in my own personal life, I had big trauma at five and six. And when my daughter turned five, I felt it. It was like a fire of energy just ran through me. And not until I spoke with someone that works with birth and trauma did I make that correlation? Did I connect the dots? And it's it's just fascinating. The interconnectedness of mothers and their children. And it is a lifetime journey. And the more support and love that we can receive and give to ourselves, the better. And again, I will be practicing all of this this week. It will be my spiritual work. I will be showing up the best that I can and I'm in this with all of you. So sending love out to all of you today. And I will report on the other side. Jema. 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 Jema.